AVXL episode 148 was recorded on July 29th, 2021. We got a review of IKEA's Symphonics picture frame with Wi-Fi speaker. Samsung OLED, it looks like CES 2022, yo. The rumors are strong. Nothing Ear One earbud reviews are arriving and some more on the Tokyo Olympics and HDR. And don't forget, email ask at avxl.com if you got a question for us. And thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every one of you that supports us on patreon.com slash avxl. Your monthly contributions make this show possible. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welp Navy Excel, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. We'll talk about the Olympics. We'll talk about the Olympics and HDR. We'll talk about the IKEA Symphonics picture frame, which is about 10 feet above me as I speak, leaning against the wall as if I am some casual collector in the mid-20th century. Ooh. I wish it was big like a Jackson Pollock, but that would be just weird. Um <laughs> What's also weird, possibly much weirder than my dreams of being all Jackson Pollocky collectory in Midtown Manhattan circa before I was born. Uh, it's legit. The rumor, I think, what did you say? The rumors are too strong about Samsung's OLED. Heck yeah. A variety of stories have popped up based upon some reporting straight out of Korea. And Sam Mobile was one of the first uh, in terms of the the English language papers to, uh, or sources to pick up on the story and <laughs> provide some additional details. It effectively looks like the Samsung display group is going to be providing OLED panels for Samsung electronics, future TV designs. And it's looking like huh. an introduction will occur at CES 2022. They're expecting these models to be out next year. And they're talking about 55 and 65 inch models. This will be interesting because it should be based upon a quantum dot color filter on top of a blue OLED material. So in effect, you will have a clear subpixel for the blue channel that will allow the, the natural blue of Samsung's OLED material to shine right through and provide that color in addition to quantum dot enhanced subpixels for red and green that will provide your hmm. RGB response. It should be pretty damn impressive really in terms of its color coverage, at least the potential for color coverage when you look at something like HDR programming with its DCI P3 color space. This should be a good match for that. And it differs from what LG is currently doing with a white OLED material being pushed through a, hmm. a very customized RGB color filter on the front of their screens as well. This should also hopefully eliminate the need for a white subpixel for just literally additional brightness that the LG OLEDs currently use and provide just straight red, blue, green light output per pixel for Samsung's design. It's going to be interesting. And there's no sign of what the pricing is going to be or potential performance. Right. It's just going to be these two screen sizes as far as I can tell. I am still seeing no sign of a true red, blue, green OLED pixel design where individual materials for red, blue, and green are emitting light directly, not going through a color filter. I don't see that happening outside of the current mobile devices we all enjoy, as well as those spanking new premium LG OLED monitors that are using Japan OLED's technology. Those are in the three to four to $5,000 price range for a 32-inch display. Mm. When it comes to the TVs, they're going to be making those at Lower prices, clearly, and that's how they're doing it, is by using a single color for the OLED material and then 
pushing that through a color filter. Be it a quantum dot enhanced one from Samsung coming up in 2022, or you can stick with the WRGB design that LG currently does with their TVs. Either way, <laughs> should be more competition. It'll be interesting to see if maybe Samsung will finally jump on the Dolby Vision support with this new panel. I I kind of doubt that, but uh, we'll see. It just shows that right. at least someone else besides LG is going to have an OLED panel available. Hopefully soon. Hopefully in the next six months or so. Or a year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we forgot oh, to mention last oh. week about that LG roll-up TV. I'm not entirely sure I care. It's like the LG Signature OLED TV R, I think was the last uh, name I saw on it. You know, we originally saw it at CES 2019. They teased it some more at CES 2020. I feel like they just kept teasing us with it. But we have a price. (laughs) (laughs) If you really, really want that technology. 65 inches of roll-up OLED goodness for a a cool $100,000, which is just... I, I have no words for that. Clearly a bespoke display device, <laughs> probably handcrafted oh for that price point. I don't, you're just buying bragging rights as far as I can tell. Or or you have well, a very specific need for something that can literally roll up into a nice box. <laughs> if you like to watch television in bed, but you don't want a screen hanging on the wall and you want the screen to disappear when you're not in bed, you know, you replace your hope chest, uh, there's a phrase I love saying, uh, or your blanket chest at the base of your bed, uh, <laughs> at the foot of your bed with the LEG or the LG uh, signature uh, R. I, yeah, I got to say that's an impressive price. Um, that's, uh, that's, a, that's house money around here. <laughs> Seriously. Or even if you wanted a 65-inch OLED, even the, the top of the line, whatever it would be, uh, is probably a Sony. Uh, still, yeah. you, you could buy, what, 20, 30 of those <laughs> for that price? <laughs> anyway, yeah. a very, a very interesting a, product, but yeah, not priced a, for normal people. That's getting up there. In down the, uh, payment on a house in California, for goodness sake. <laughs> seriously. I, I still don't so. quite get why it's so expensive. And I'm thinking the fact that they Yields probably... Yields have to be incredibly low on whatever material they're doing. And they probably have... It, it, it smells like they have to pump out a whole bunch of that material just to get enough functioning for a 65-inch TV. Probably hand machine... You know, it's it's probably not something they can automate in terms of the production or there's just not, the... This it doesn't scale enough for them to start automating. I just I like you said I, I smell a lot of expensive machining and rarefied materials and maybe that roll up material or the fact that it's that flexible mm-hmm. introduces some negative side effect in terms of maybe the longevity of the panel or something. Right. Where hey maybe maybe they really don't want to sell that many of them, and <laughs> which <laughs> I I don't know it, it's clearly uh, something they can brag about, but at the same point. Right. It's pretty out there in terms of pricing. It's impressively spendy. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing Ear One reviews are popping up all over the place. Uh, Carl Pay, co-founder of OnePlus, started a company a while back called Nothing. Uh, Nothing.tech is the website. You know, And earlier this year announced that Ear One would be the first product. And I, I didn't pay a huge amount of attention because, uh, A, um, it was more announcing the company and their first product than anything specific about the product, uh, or at least it seemed that way at the time. In any case, uh, I'm kind of excited now. 
It's a $99 in-ear monitor. Uh, everybody's claiming it's a fairly neutral sound um, with a very solid low or sub-bass extension on that. Um, for $99, you're also getting active noise cancellation. Teenage Engineering did the design work. I happen to be a big fan of their design. They're involved with the Playdate, which was just pre-ordered this morning. Uh, they do all sorts of uh, electronic instruments. Um, I like their aesthetic. And cool. if you've never seen Teenage Engineering, then just search Teenage Engineering and uh, <laughs> on Google, and you'll see more of it than you ever probably wanted to uh, uh, see. But uh, like Nate Langson gave me a heads up on it. He said, you know, it's not boomy bass; it goes deep into the sub bass. Uh, he was kind of he sounded pretty impressed by it, especially for the money. And uh, you know, Marcus Brownlee has reviews. Wired has reviews. I'm sure The Verge has reviews. So they're they're doing that early seeding thing where they're building excitement. We'll let you know when it comes out. As always, I'm curious if A, it'll fit in my ear, B, if it's as neutral as people claim, C, the longevity. Some of the early reviewers said there were some issues with connectivity or that the ANC wasn't very strong. So we'll keep you posted. A neutral, solid-sounding in-ear with some active noise cancellation for 100 bucks would be good. There's also a bunch of other products out there in that range. I'm also really curious, curious to figure out if this is using uh, some of the technology we've discussed earlier this year. That description of sound quality reminds me of my Sony MDR7506s. Yeah. One thing about those headphones that I love and I'm wearing currently is the fact that they are rather neutral. I think of it more as just accurate. And while it doesn't have that boomy bass, it does really good bass. And yeah. I, I feel accurate is above all when I when I compare any, be it an in-ear or an over-the-ear to my uh, 7506s. So uh, these sound like they're right up my alley and the price is right. I want to hear them in person. I'm really curious to see if this is another earbud that's using Qualcomm's uh, chipsets inside of it. Uh, first right. one I heard of those was uh, Cambridge Audio's Melomania, which is uh, now the Melomania 1 because they have a Melomania 1 Plus, which I haven't heard yet. The sound quality is really, really impressive. For $99 with ANC, if the ANC is good and the sound is neutral, this has a lot of potential. So we'll see how that goes. Nice. So I'm in Ikea. The Symphonics picture frames are there. The Wi-Fi speaker is available. So I grabbed one. Ah, um, of course. <laughs> I had to. So it's it's 16 inches wide. It's 22 inches high. It, it's about two inches deep. There's a, you, know, you can pry out the front panel that has a sort of a polyester wrap around it that's the picture on the front of it. It's really impressive, right? This is a big ABS plastic box. In the center of it is a tweeter with a waveguide, which is kind of like looking at a little baby version of uh, one of Kef's LS50s, except out of plastic and for, you know, a considerably less amount, like one-seventh the price. There's, a, you know, a little tiny woofer, a mid-woofer, similar to what you'd probably see in the... Uh, uh, in the Sonos play and, um, there's a baseboard out of the front and there's no buzzes. A lot of really thoughtful engineering and design went into this box, right? That front frame, the polyester picture is held on with a ton of press endpoints, like, you know, secure rubberized silicone, you know, spikes go into holes in the, in the panel, of the speaker, there's pads in between the frame and the main box and a lot of really thoughtful, uh, actually really clever installation off options. There's four pads on the back to protect your wall. There's a wall hanger with a really nice paper guide so you can actually figure out the, the height you want to hang it out. You're, well, while we're recording Perfect. this, Rob has this like, thank you look on his face uh, as an installer. I am He's a big fan hell. of templates. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> templates are nice. There's a ton of space to stash your cord in a, in a box sort of spot with a Velcro tie behind the frame. And then there's a pair of silicone feet that press into any of the four sides of the frame so you can rest it against a wall. And what's kind of cool about that is because that tweeter is center mounted, you don't have to worry about if you want the better stereo separation, if you run a pair of these in stereo, which I have not done, you don't have to worry about, you know, the tweeters facing both out or both in to have sort of a consistent uh, uh, speaker placement. Very cool. Yeah. Would you consider using something like this as primary speakers or even surround channels? Or It's funny you mention this because... Um, my wife, who loves music and used to sing choir and uh, has a pretty serious voice when she gets going, you know, one of our, our kind of ongoing conversations is she was never, a, you know, audio geek. She was never exposed to hi-fi gears and until, you know, uh, she got involved with me and then everything changed. Um, but, you know, our listening habits in the high, inside the house changed radically when I started installing the Sonos gear because put an app on her phone and then she and the kids or I could play music anywhere in the house. And I think Sonos delivers extraordinary quality for the money. Like, you know, is it a set of LS50 powered speakers? No, but it's also a fraction of the price. These are really, really good. They're doing a lot of smart things with psychoacoustics. They're doing some good things with being able to tune the output of the speaker to the room um, with their true play technology. And I like the way it works. Um, like a lot of smaller speakers, there's basically nothing under 50 hertz, which annoys me as an audiophile and, and a subwoofer is always nice. But the reality is, is most of what people are listening to doesn't have anything under 50 hertz. This, this is, uh, you know, it sounds good. It can still rock. Will it rock more with a subwoofer? Absolutely. It's a decent height. They're supposed to have a couple different options to press in the front. I will probably experiment with fabric because that's just the way I am. I love that they have this giant cord in there. It's 138 inches long. It's 11 and a half feet. So if you're winding it behind things to make it disappear, that gives you a little more room. And of course, like I said before, there's a bunch of space behind to stuff the cord in there. It sounds like a clever design. It is a really clever design. I mean, I was, I'm still shocked at how good the Symphonics uh, lamps sound. Uh, you know, because we put one of those in the boys' room because it allowed us to have a speaker on their bedside table and a lamp with less space and fewer things getting knocked right. off. Those things sound amazing for the money. And they're lamps. It's ridiculous. They should not sound as good as they do. Um, those are on closeout. Uh, they may be completely gone by the time you hear this. Uh, apparently, a new lamp design is coming. I'm very curious about that. Uh, one ding, I thought, you know, a black cord to go with the black case would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. Consider yeah. your color choices. The Sonos Play 1 is really interesting because when it came out, one of the things they did was was had a lot of X-Max. There was a lot of in and out extension of that little tiny speaker to give it more bass, right? More, you know, to allow it to dig a little deeper. And I'm kind of curious... I'm not going to pry the cover off my yeah, the Sonos plays in the house uh, because the children would rebel. But I'm going to check the see if I can find out the exact measurement size on the woofer. And uh, I have a funny feeling they may have saved some money by using a simpler, larger woofer that goes down as deep without having to do as much crazy stuff uh, with how they tune it and you know the amplifiers and everything else in there. It's I just want you know it's it's good music. I, I like the Sonos app. Uh, in part because I've been using it forever, so it's really natural to do that. They have uh, power, uh, a play, pause button, and volume buttons on the back, which I really appreciate. Uh, and they actually have something I haven't tested is their own version of a wireless volume knob under one of the IKEA 
Swedish names. So at some point I'll break down and test one of those. But I got to say, this is another really nice, uh, another really nice collaboration between Ikea and Sonos. Well done. Oh, and Audio Science Review actually did a pretty extensive uh, uh, test with their Clipple speaker measuring system, which is your basic $100,000 automated speaker measuring system. Um, and the, you know, Amir was impressed, it looked like. And, you know, cool. is it the flattest speaker? No, but, you know, it's also sub 200. It's a sub $200 powered speaker that sounds a lot better than a lot of other <laughs> sub $200 powered speakers out there. So, and folks it's might thoughts. not even know it's a speaker just upon, upon first glance. An easy DIY art option would be nice. Yeah. Just lay that down there. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> not that I don't like amorphous molecular structures in gray on darker gray but that was my only pseudo complaint when we were talking about this <laughs> the previous episode it was that that right. geometric pattern is not going to be everyone's taste and i'm honestly no. surprised they just don't have a blank option the nice thing about those feet is you can you know you can lean it against the wall in the corner of your room and then it's not so noticeable as it would be say in the middle of your wall amidst all of your colorful pictures and right stuff. Good deal. It's a thought. It's a thought. Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. How's it going? Baby. Have you seen 4K yet? No. We have at least one confirmed <laughs> 4K HDR report. <laughs> I have seen none of this in 4K, let alone HDR. I have been stuck on the NBC Sports app, and right. that provides me with very easy access to all of the different events. Uh, the replays in particular is what I'm right, right going for. It's simply that, hey, I know what events I want to check out. At least the NBC Sports app allows me to just pick and choose and get right into them. The quality, in terms of visually speaking, it's potato-like. Uh, it, it might be 720p, but I still see plenty of jagged artifacts and things like that. I'm clearly not looking at this for ultimate image quality through that right. streaming app. And that's a little disappointing. Many folks have reported to me that the Canadian Broadcasting Service or the company uh, mm -hmm. is a better all-around source in terms of just overall reporting. And while their feed at cbc.ca is filled with commercials, but at least the reporting sounds pretty good, I'm just enjoying it overall. Uh, I think the events are awesome. I like having that ability just to select exactly what I want to look at. I did try watching some content last night on an Xfinity system that used one of their mm -hmm. older cable boxes, not the new X1 boxes, but those older boxes. Oh man, I forgot how much I hate those things. With that, you're not, you have some on demand, but literally you're stuck pretty much watching whatever the main broadcast feed is for primetime. And for me, that really was like the low end of it when you consider that if you happen to have a 4K TV or greater, and in addition to one of those uh, X1 boxes, you could be streaming this in 4K HDR plus Dolby Atmos. And I, I have not seen or heard any of that yet. So <laughs> I'm sticking with the app just for convenience. And so far, it's, uh, I'm enjoying it. There's so many interesting events that I never even consider that are in the Olympics nowadays and right. everything from BMX racing to I'm a big fan of the, the rifle pistol shotgun sports. So watching that go down 
is just awesome for me and it's endless there's a little something there for everyone and it's going to be going on for a little while longer and then we have the uh street skateboarding the paralympian I, I say, street skateboarding up. has been fascinating and synchronized diving and yes the paralympics um sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no there. no uh, we've got we've got at least a couple more weeks of good content coming so i'm, I'm enjoying it I still haven't even seen the opening ceremony yet. If there is something I would like to see in 4K HDR, it would be the opening ceremony. And right. you ain't getting that through the app. You better better be on either YouTube TV with your 4K subscription or one of the handful of providers. Of course, Xfinity Comcast, since they are either they own NBC or NBC owns them. Whatever. I consider them the same thing at this point. And it's no surprise that <laughs> their platform is offering all the latest bells and whistles. They're just right. meh. <laughs> it's always good to know. Oh, man. I also yeah. updated my Microsoft Flight Simulator the other day. A big update came out about two days ago. If you have even a remote interest in flight simulators or this latest version of the software and you're on a PC, this update actually fixed so many little problems and added so many little tweaks to make everything run and look better that I would say now is the time to finally jump in. I think the apps or the program's been out for like a year and this update really mm -hmm. makes it feel like it's it's almost done or done enough to really provide some enjoyability in terms of just being able to jump in and go. As part of this update, DirectX 12 is becoming a part of it and that's first being launched on the Xbox Series S and X. That is available right now. So if you want, probably the easiest way to get into this is if you have that game console and you just go right into the game store and pick it up right there. That's going to give you a terrific looking and performing experience. And you have all the nice. controls and everything else you need to get going on it right away. I will say that it is kind of odd sometimes to, I guess, I finally realized that, yeah, this is a Microsoft program. They're using Bing map data. So when I fly around some places, it looks a little dated. I'm seeing buildings that are no longer there. Uh, it is no Google Earth, but at the same point, I think one of the very first things everyone does as soon as they fire up this program is to go buzz their house, <laughs> buzz their own house in, in virtual reality. Oh, that's funny. Apparently, this update also brings better VR support as well, or actually VR support that actually works. So if you are on the PC, you can check that out. And they also mentioned that DirectX 12, an update for that, for the PC, will be coming soon. As currently, it's still in DirectX 11 territory. They're not implying that going to DirectX 12 is going to bring any additional performance, but it might. Right. They left that kind of vague. But either way, I would say between the core update for the program itself, in addition to I would say a dozen city updates, individual areas around the world that have been given a once over in terms of making them look better or more realistic or more accurate. It's pretty impressive. With the click of a button, you can instantly be flying a quick tour of say the pyramids in Egypt or downtown Paris, or have you ever wanted to fly a loop around the Golden Gate Bridge? <laughs> <laughs> in a variety Just of aircraft. Cause. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Quick thought. Uh, if you're a classic movie enthusiast, if you like cinema in the art house sense of the word, uh, just want to give another shout out to CriterionChannel.com. I was thinking about that because there was a big 50% uh, off sale 
at Barnes and Noble on Criterion stuff and Blu-ray and DVD uh, uh, last week. And uh, that was kind of followed up by reductions in price from Amazon. But if you don't necessarily want to have all the physical media, uh, it pains my heart to suggest any of you might not want all the physical media, but, uh, you know, I get it. <laughs> but uh, it's take a look at CriterionChannel.com and nose around. If you're looking for, you know, sort of non-standard Hollywood fare or classic stuff, I mean... I'm looking, I'm just scanning right here, Federico Fellini, eight and a half, um, 12 Angry Men, Sidney Lumet's classic, 16 Days of Glory, uh, while we're talking about the Olympics. Uh, there's just a ton, ton of stuff in there. 39 Steps, the 47 Ronin. Um, I could go on and on, the 400 Blows, and this is just skinning the first part of the page, uh, and I'm going to close that because I'll just... <laughs> start thinking about all sorts of movies I want to watch as I abandon any relationship with my children or the outside world. Um, I also got a question. Anybody out there experimenting with Apple Lossless or Amazon Music exclusive mode, uh, if they're playing around with the uh, HD stuff on that, do me a favor. Let us know. Email ask at avxl.com or tweet uh, at Patrick Norton. If, if you're noticing when you switch to it, does it get louder? I'm just gathering anecdotal evidence at this point. Um, I've noticed, uh, a friend of mine had noticed that uh, Apple Lossless seems louder than the sort of compressed Apple. I've noticed that if you turn on exclusive mode, inside of uh, Amazon Music's app when you're playing around with their, their lossless files, it seems considerably louder than uh, the non-lossless mode. And that's running on a Windows PC. But I'm kind of curious if you're running into that with any app. For example, something like Cobuzz, the level does not change between exclusive mode and non-exclusive mode. And if you're wondering what the hell exclusive mode is, that basically means that the application in question, for example, I mentioned Cobuzz, which is what I do a lot of listing on. Cobuzz will have an exclusive relationship with your audio device so that, for example, when you're listening to that fantastic song, you don't suddenly have an alarm from, you know, a calendar or a background PC noise blast into your ears, uh, either causing damage and or just irritating the snot out of you during your I don't know, symphonic experience. Sweet. <laughs> you, you know, you got, you got a little Chris Teeley and Yo-Yo Ma going and all of a sudden Windows blares at you. It's, it's irritating. Uh, and sometimes if it's a loud enough system noise, incredibly painful. Just a thought, though. If, uh, if you've noticed any of that, let us know. Email ask at avxl.com. Or if you have any other home theater or audio or screen or playback or streaming question, we're here for you. Tweet at Robert Heron, at Patrick Norton, or at AVXL. Uh, if you want to use a hashtag, hashtag AskAVXL works. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. And thank you seriously to all of our patrons at patreon.com slash AVXL for your support of the program. Indeed. With that, ladies and gentlemen, I think Rob's going to get some Olympics in. I'm going to uh, I'm going to finish testing an inexpensive but reasonably high-quality amplifier uh, that might be appropriate if you don't have all of the money to spend on an amp. And who does, quite frankly, once you've bought your dream speakers. <laughs> and with that, thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every one of you listening to the show. I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL. <laughs>